Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast. Guess who we've got back in the house? He decided to grace us with his presence today. Benji Nyson here for Stage 5 of the Giro d'Italia 2021 recap. A nailed-on sprint stage. It's from... Modena to Catolica, 177Ks, uh, nothing really to tell you. To be frank, the longest straight road I've ever seen in a sort of Western European race for about 110Ks, but the finale is not straight at all. In the last two kilometres, there's about five 90-degree turns, very technical, lots of road furniture. We'll talk about it in more detail in a second, uh, but yeah, there was supposed to be some wind, Benji. At what percentage was there any time during this stage you thought, "Oh, there could actually be echelon action"? Well, the thing is, I I actually trusted Twitter a lot on this too much because too when much. the stage started, I was hyped. I was thinking echelons <laughs> everywhere according to my Twitter timeline. But I started watching the race and I saw no wind at all, no flags by the side of the road, standing straight up. So uh, I lost my faith in uh in my Twitter timeline pretty quickly after that. But Still, I think that with these flat stages, echelons do make it great, but they also take away the possibility of watching an actual head-to-head sprint with the best sprinters at the end. And I think that's one of the things I also enjoy doing. The initial part of the stage might not be fun, but I do enjoy the sprinting phase of a flat stage like the one we had today. But that aside, let's take a look at the uh, very important breakaway of the day. Taliani in the breakaway and also Marengo. These two riders were in the breakaway for quite a bit. Took the first intermediate sprint, if I recall correctly. Nobody really cares who won that. And uh, they got caught. They got caught pretty early because then we saw other people attacking from the peloton, including Simon Pelot. We had... Uh, Why'd they get caught so early? In the break as well? I feel, I, like, that, yeah. I feel like everyone had been told by their DS to watch out for wind coming out of these towns yeah. they'd gone through. And everyone was... You saw Ineos and Bahrain getting to the front. Like They... I swear to God, they caught the break who had a two-minute lead in 90 seconds. It, <laughs> it, it may seem impossible, but I swear that happened with yeah. 100Ks to go. And as Benji said, we are like, surely someone's going to try for the TV exposure for 80Ks because we can't just have teams riding in a flat line at 34Ks an hour. So, yeah, we got another. Uh, and then they were joined by Alexi Goujan in the last 20Ks that we'll skip forward. They were always in hand, 90 seconds. This was going to be a nailed-on sprint stage, as always. And we actually saw Lotto Sudal coming to the front early, early, like with 12, 13 Ks to go, keeping Ewan in the front five wheels. You will, you will remember, stage two, the problem for Ewan was he had two lead-out men with him in the last 500 metres when he was 30 wheels back, which is inverted what you want you'd want to have your lead up men pretty much spent if there's other people leading it out and be in the top five wheels on that stage so that was what they stuffed up on stage two we said let Ewan do his thing surf wheels we've seen him do it before just get him in the top 10 wheels in the last kilometer so they seem to be doing that burning riders 
early. And then they got into like a city area where there are lots of corners and road furniture even before the last two Ks. And there were some crashes, Benji. I can't remember them all. There were so many. Who was the first to go down? Was it Sivakov? Well, the first was, I think, DJ Vangarder in a, in a corner, but it yes, wasn't too right. bad. But Sivakov as well had a crash. He looked to be in a bit more trouble than Vingarden when he crashed. So I'm not sure Sivakov is going to be 100% okay after that crash. I think that we'll see uh, tonight if he's got any injuries from it and if he ends up continuing tomorrow because it didn't really look him out. I just, uh, I just he's heard Tosado on Twitter. I just heard Tosado on Twitter said that he's fearing a broken collarbone for Sivakov. So Jeez. this is live breaking news, but unfortunately that sucks. Let's hope that it's not the case. Let's hope that he's able to continue. But this is exactly the way that his Tour de France last year started yep. with a crash and multiple crashes. And honestly, yeah, Both we'll talk a- about it after uh, the yeah, stage yeah. thing, I think. Hold that uh, thought. Yes. So another crash, unfortunately, was where uh, it looked like there was a bit of a, a traffic island where one of those guys with their yellow flag that they'd have to pay me $1 million to do that job because it's hella dangerous, proven by today, because... Dombrowski ended up hitting the rider, well, the person that was doing that signaling on the uh, traffic island. And while hitting that person, he ended up hitting Landa as well. And Landa went down as well. Dombrowski was bleeding from his nose. He was able to uh, continue the race, but Landa was not looking too good. And I was a bit worried at the start because he wasn't moving too much. He looked really hurt. Yeah. Really badly uh, hurt. Only thing I know about it is that he was brought to the hospital. We'll hear about it more after the race. He is not in this Chiritai anymore, which is a big loss for the race. Let's be honest. He was amazing yesterday, and I would have loved to see him do more. His DS, Franco Perizzotti, says it's wrist or shoulder, so hopefully it's uh, that's bad and DNFing is bad, but I was worried it was back vertebrae yeah. or something worse. So hopefully, not ideal, hopefully it is just a broken wrist or shoulder exactly we thought it could have been much worse he was lying there motionless on the ground so thoughts to lander benji and i are pretty upset well i'm very upset because i really think i think it lander's underrated it wasn't his fault not really and i thought he was going to do really well in this year he had a and magic f- day yesterday the thing is also a bit of a, a moment to think about the guy that was actually hit the person on the traffic island because i feel like he's probably overlooked here as most of the people care about Oh, Dombrovsky's down, Landa's down, yeah. but I do I do care about that guy as well. He seemed to be able to stand up relatively quickly, so let's hope he's okay as well in that situation. But crash aside, we had a uh, hectic, hectic ride into the last kilometers, and I think it was like you say, Ewan was not necessarily uh he was not necessarily at the back and fatty position like last time in the preparation of the sprint. His team had him at the front of the race. He was in second yeah. wheel with a good 1.3 kilometers to go. So he was in that place. And we even saw him the moment that his rider was done and that another rider from another team was taking over. We saw that Ewan was actually choosing to, uh, well, drop back a tiny bit in the group because he wanted to get a, a better position. Because if you're, if you're literally in second wheel with a kilometer to go, you're going to have to do the lead out for the other people. This ain't going to yeah. work if you want to win the race. Yeah. So. Nice so decision well. on that one, but I'll throw it to you for the last kilometer here. As Benji said, so it was Du Bois, I think, for Lotto, the last man, but he was pretty much done. He was, if you go and watch the last 1500 meters, which is maybe where you can start this stage if you're watching it back, Du Bois is looking, looking, looking over his shoulder. Who's going to take it up? Because no one was really taking it up. There's a real power vacuum in the leadouts. We don't have a quick step train with five riders. 
Quebec have maybe just Volscheid than it's solo. Viviani had Consoni. UA Gaviria just has Milano. I'm not sure who the Alperson lead out is for Merlier Benji. It wasn't Dupont, so apologies to that rider. But he, he they only had one there for Merlier. So there's not these massive trains, just Osphus again. Eventually, Du Bois and uh, flicks Ewan. Ewan goes back, as Benji says, with a K to go. Os, I think, takes it up from far out. Not a high pace. He's got Alperson's last lead out man on his wheel. Milano, Sagan, Merlier, and then Ewan, after much fighting, slots in about seventh or eighth wheel, I think, in a pretty good position. The thing is, the problem is you need to be aggressive and you need to be able to fight for a wheel to do what Ewan did at that point because no one wants to let him in. You've got you've got the single-file pace line and you've got Ewan sliding back on the right-hand side. The last man you want sliding into a wheel in front of you is Caleb Ewan. You said get to the back. So he had to fight for that wheel, did so, got in there, and then oscillated out from 700 metres. He flicks through. Alperson then lead it out to 435 and it's actually Molano again doesn't do the lead out for UAE. He kind of lets a wheel go. Bit strange. Maybe he didn't couldn't see Gaviria there. Meanwhile, yeah, Coffin is I on the right hand side. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe he saw Gaviria wasn't on his wheel, Benji, like the other day. Coffidis on the right-hand side with Consoni, hard lead out for Viviani on the right-hand side. Really good lead out, frankly. Great job. Like this is in the last 300, 200. So I think there was a little rise at the end based on the little the camera angle. Nitsolo has been left on the wrong side, on the left-hand side. He has to come from deep, starts his sprint from 200, swings over to the right-hand side and kicks almost at the same time as Viviani. Molière and Ewan have a fight for Viviani's wheel on the right-hand barrier. Molière's kind of, Ewan had 60 to 70% of the wheel. Molière's closing in front of him. And we've seen Sagan doing, lots of riders doing similar things. It's a fight for a wheel. And I'll throw it to Benji in a second to get an unbiased take. But Ewan basically pushes back, really fights for his position with his hip and hits Merlier. And it looks like it drops Merlier's chain off or something goes wrong with Merlier's bike. He's out of the sprint. Ewan gets the draft of Viviani on the right-hand side as he kicks. Nitsolo comes over. So Ewan gets a second rider then to slipstream off into the last 100 metres. And if we see, if you see that happening, it was like that Tour de France win, Benji, where he like cannonballed around, but a little less spectacular today. And once he got clear air, we knew this was over despite the camera angle being really bad <laughs> live, but we knew I was, Ewan was going past Nit Solo. So yep. Ewan makes up for the earlier stage. Any other details from that sprint that I've missed, Benji, or things that I've missed out, Groenewegen and Orko or Chimolai, that you'd like to add? I want to get back to a few things. First of all, Groenewegen didn't seem to be in contention because he actually lost, well, his sprint train, and he also was way too far to the back going into the last 400 meters. So I think that it was just not a good day when it comes to positioning for Dylan Grunewagen, I think he's still one of the faster people in the peloton, looking at what he did last time. And uh, I think that's the reason that today he wasn't there. Um, I think one thing I want to mention is going back to Milano, because I just rechecked while you were going off on your end. And when Milano was going out of the front, he looks to the right and he sees the Kofidis train coming on his right. The Kofidis train with Gaviria in third wheel, just behind Viviani. And he goes to the right and accidentally blocks the Kofidis train that Gaviria's on. And Kofidis has to go around Milano, basically ruining Gaviria a tiny bit. So well, Gaviria has to go is... around him. Gaviria doesn't get the nice yeah. slipstream off the right either. Yeah, good. that's a good call. 
<laughs> so uh, I think that Milano probably didn't notice that Gaviria was there, but I think that the eye line was perfect to see Gaviria. But yeah, I, I wasn't there. I wasn't Milano in that situation. He could have could have just seen over him. And uh, well, it, it does show again that the UAE sprint strategies are not really up to standards, and they need to get things sorted because last time they had a very similar situation where Milano was a bit too far to the right doing his lead out and Gaviria was trying to go for the uh, small space next to Milano. If Milano was a bit more to the left, Gaviria might have been able to pass, but that wasn't the case. Then again, Gaviria risked it a lot to go through that small hole last time. But right here, it's a different situation where Milano just stopped his lead out and he did so accidentally blocking the, the line that Gaviria was on, which is not ideal, of course. So I think that Gaviria is going to be angry again because I swear I heard he, he didn't have the last legs time. either, to be honest. I think yeah, of course, are... but yeah. if, if you don't have the legs, you, f you look for excuses. And True, true. Can I yeah. ask your opinion? Yeah, I already mentioned it. Ewan and Merlier, that coming together, which seemed to ruin Merlier's sprint. I'm the Australian, you're the Belgian, so I'll throw it to your take first. I think what Ewan did seemed to be fine. No headbutt, no flared elbow, more just uh, fighting for his position with the other guy coming in as well. I didn't see anything too wrong with it. Is that your take as well, or have I got sort of a biased Australian perspective on it? I agree. I think that's a bit of a mixed situation. I think that the thing that happens is you've got you've got Viviani with his leadout Consani ahead of him on the right. Ewan is passing Gaviria the moment that Molana goes to the back. Ewan is in the wheel of Viviani at that moment. Merlis tries to get the same wheel. But he is forced to the right even more because Sagan's closing in from the left. And that sandwich by Sagan, no, like they were all fighting for the same wheel. So I'm not yeah, pointing not any fingers not here. But dirty, no, no. Like in this situation, that sandwich causes, it, causes Merlier to have to move a bit to the right. It, it goes into Ewan. Ewan didn't really go to the left there. So I don't blame anyone here. It just, they just, yeah race situation i'd say on this situation and i think merlier just bad luck when it comes to his chain and if you're fighting for the same wheel there's gonna be one person that comes out of it having that wheel it's it's yeah basic yeah. science i'd expect and ewan was the fastest to get into the wheel actually i'd say ewan was the fastest but he's also the tiny guy that was able to basically hug the barrier next to merlier and able to pass him still while if yeah. that was anybody else that might have actually been an accidental crash there so I'd say that Ewan got away there a bit, lucky, and I hope that like people notice that in this sprint, Ewan proves that if he's in a good situation, if he's in a position to be competitive, he's one of the two best sprinters in the world. And those two best sprinters are, in my opinion, still Sam Bennett and Caleb Ewan. I think that they've both got their skills. I think that Bennett is better at timing and intuition in the last kilometer. I think that Ewan has more acceleration and uh, Ewan is probably better at worming his way through through small gaps as well in sprints, stuff like that. So every single one of those two has qualities that the other doesn't have. And I think their top speed is pretty similar. So I, I love that 1v1 competition that we can always compare because those are the two best sprinters right now. Now, you would say, well, Grunewagen was great before he had the, um, the injury and the uh, suspension. Yeah, but I can't really calculate how good Kirunovagen is because his performances recently, have we have no data to base it on. So that's why, for me, those two riders are 
the two best sprinters, and I think you you'll agree with that. Yeah, I think whoever got onto Viviani's wheel was probably winning this sprint because they would have got the draft and been coming out of it at the perfect time. Nizzolo didn't have it; he had to come out really early, and that's why I think he came second, even though he did a good sprint. Here's the top ten results: Ewan first, Nizzolo second, Viviani third, Sagan fourth, Gaviria fifth. Moschetti 6th, Pascal on 7th, Grunewagen 8th, Belletti 9th, Chimalai 10th. So I think Sagan again is showing that he can just, he doesn't have the speed to really be beating these guys head to head if unless something super weird happens, but he can get into the right position and then he's following their draft the entire way to the line without getting checked and that allows him to consistently finish in the top five of these bunch sprints, pick up Chiclamino points as well. I would make a quick note before we move on to the preview of stage six that I do think, I'd say I know, that sprints are extremely random events. You make one mistake in the last one kilometer and your sprint is done. You follow the wrong wheel in a split second decision, your day is done. If you're doing a mountain climb, six kilometer, 8% finish, if you follow the wrong wheel for a second, you can correct that. You can just move out of the side of the road. And you're going to try and fix that. It might not be ideal, but it's it's fixable. If you make a mistake in a sprint, your sprint is done. We saw that in Shell de Price with Bora. They went to the right-hand side. Their train got blocked. Sprint over for them in Accra. And that's why I think the market significantly overcorrected for Ewan and Merlier before today's stage. I said last night I wouldn't pick between them, but I would look to see which one had better value. Much to my surprise, Merlier opened at $2.80. This is in corporate, so it'd be higher other at Betfair. Ewan opened at $5, and I was surprised by that to see the difference between them. I thought because of one sprint, we now think Merlier is almost twice as likely to beat Ewan in a perfectly flat sprint based on what the market is saying. That was very surprising to me. I was like, because of one sprint, we're now discounting what Ewan can do. And Can we've be... seen, sorry, mm-hmm. in a second, minute, we've seen yep. Ewan and the Lotto lead out generally when they do stuff up, like at UAE, they eventually do get it right. And without quick step here, they were able to get it right quicker. They went with the strategy of putting him in the right wheels with 1K to go. And that's why, yeah, I just think that was a, a big overcorrection given that one sprint doesn't change who really is the best or the quickest. Yeah, go on, Benji. Yeah, my advocate of the devil kind of reaction to that would be I, I'm expecting them to keep in mind that Ewan's positioning this season has been subpar the entire season. But you're right, it's an overcorrection because he's still he's still one of the two best sprinters in the world. And if you're one of the two best sprinters in the world, and if you're in a good position, you are likely being very competitive in that sprint and perhaps winning. And I think that I think we both had Ewan for this stage. I'm gonna be honest, for me it was a just because I had Merlier the last time, so I, <laughs> I, I wanted to pick someone else. Yeah. So uh, I don't really have a, a specific reason why I had Ewan today, but I'm glad he won. He's got one of his three stage wins that he wants this season, one in the Giro, one in the Tour, one in the Vuelta. He can now go home, but I guess he's going to stay for a few more days to get a second one, perhaps. Yeah. Okay, before we get on to the preview of tomorrow's stage, I want to mention our show partner, LaCole. If you want to get 20% off any LeCole kit during the Giro d'Italia. The code is hashtag, hashtag, that's for Twitter. The code is all caps LRCP20. As you can see it down below, the link is down below. There's also the McLaren collaboration 
with Lacole called Project Aero, which, I mean, the kit looks absolutely fire, and it's also designed from the ground up to make you go faster. They've got a speed suit as well if you're interested in checking that out. There's more on the, there's a blog post about that from Lacole if you want to read up more about it. Tomorrow's stage from Grotti di Frassassi to Ascoli Piceno through the San Giacomo climb. 161Ks, it was an easy stage today, so the GC rider should be fresh, except for those crashes of Sivakov and Landa, which were tough to watch. The main first climb comes with 78Ks done, the Forca di Gualdo, 10.5Ks at 7.2%. That's a pretty serious climb. There's a small ridge line, rolling ridge line, then they do another 5Ks, 5%, the Forca di Presta. Descent of about 40 kilometers, and then they start the last climb of the day. 15.5Ks at 6% gradient, not up to altitude, it's up to 1,100 metres. The final ramp is 5Ks at 7.6%. When I look at the middle, the first main climb, Digualdo is got some steep bits at the start. Forca di Presta has got a bit of a steep bit at the end, but San Giacomo is fairly consistent, just gets a little bit steeper at the end, but it's got doesn't seem to me to have any horrific pinches i'm struggling to figure out what's going to happen on this stage benji because yeah i just i don't know to be honest whether it's break or gc because it's not the hardest mountain stage you'll ever see yeah that's true but on the other hand ah it kind of reminds me of of a bit of an etna finish where it's not really a, a very steep climb but it's a pretty long one and steady so it reminds me of that a ton of times it's been the breakaway, a ton of times it's been GC on that one. So it could go either way. I'm personally thinking that if it's a breakaway, it's only one or two riders left, I'd expect. But the thing is, if we think about who should pace on this stage, we know that in the current lead of GC, we've got Israel Startup Nation. Why would Israel pace on this? Like it just... Exposure. Yeah, but let's be real. Exposure, but... Is it worth it? I, I don't agree. I think they should be in the break with someone and try again. Demarkey should be in the um, break again. Seriously. <laughs> I'd no, love this it. Stage, this stage is, is good for him to be in the break yeah, again. I agree. Um, do you know where Harm but, van Hoek is? Uh, I do not know. I do not know where Harm van Hoek is. Probably somewhere in Italy. Um, <laughs> I think that I want to note that we should perhaps look at the possibilities of the follow-up of what Bahrain will be doing the next couple of weeks now that yeah. Lana is out of the race. It sucks talking about it already, but we kind of have to because that's that's what we do here. But if you look at the riders on that team, then Bilbao is probably new leader. He uh, survived relatively well, if I recall correctly, yesterday. Um, I think in that Caruso was something. Caruso was good. Yeah, true. Caruso was better. True. 143 down. Yeah. Bilbao, 212 down. Those two might be going for GC now, but I would not expect Bahrain to put all their eggs in those baskets. Uh, I'd expect them to go into the break again. Trotnik will yep. be in the break, I think, in one of the coming stages. Perhaps not tomorrow. But Nader. I do see Surely them uh, tomorrow. attacking a bit more. Yeah, good good call. Genuinely. Good call. Like but Maida's good climber. Is shortest sort of stage you should be getting the break. Han van Hocker is 25 minutes back on GC. Benji, if he's in good condition, he was good on the Etna stage that Benji mentioned, which is a similar sort of stage. So he's a good option. Uh, other riders, I don't, I don't know. It's tough for me to really say. Mateo Jorgensen I mean, is 23 mm-hmm. minutes back. 
that yeah, do the GC teams are they looking at this Benji now with Lander gone? Who wants to take it up and really gain time on this stage rather than just get through it unscathed? I kind of don't expect that Ineos will start pacing before the final climb. It just doesn't really sound like something that needs to happen here. I think that the Koenig is not in a situation where they should do that. I don't think it's early enough in the race to decide to put Almeida in the break as a bit of an Escher, a satellite rider or gain time again. I don't see that happening. I think that, yeah, that it's too early for that. I think that Evenepoel already uh, lost a bit of time, which means that on paper, he fits more on these kind of climbs, but Same I also don't. Yeah, I also don't see them making the action tomorrow necessarily. No. So, uh, Carfiat expect to wait until we've got Zonkulan to to spread his wings on. I think that tons of them will be looking at their own time and preventing extra time laws and keeping themselves up there. And their Friday action, I'm actually just gonna go break away. I could be wrong here. I, I gotta be honest. I'm not 100. percent knowing of this but i am going to go for an androni rider jefferson alexander cepeda he's been losing time this entire giro so far perhaps for the second and third week but i think it's a climb already now him and molima will be riders that i'd be expecting in the coming two weeks to go in these kind of stage in the breakaway perhaps in a bit tougher ones to try and get a stage win and i expect both of them to do it so uh, i'm going for cepeda here but it could be a lot of people Gotta be honest, it's uh it's pretty open race this one. I'm going with two Movistar riders, Pedrero and Ina Ina Rubio. I like them for this stage as well. Matteo Badilati for FDJ is a good option. Jorgensen I already mentioned. Uh if Timon Aronsman was here, I'd pick him, but he's not, I don't think. So it's a shame, Benji, because you you know, Chicone, Bardet, if they were not going for GC and got in the break. I'd be all over them. But Ciccone says he's going, not going for GC, but he's close on GC, and so he <laughs> won't get the break. But, like, you look at this stage, those two in a break would be lethal. Uh, Molimus yep. lost time, so maybe he's an option. If you want my view on what Ineos should do, I would full send tomorrow. It gets steeper at the end, 8%. I think you can gain time with Bernal. He looked if – if he has the legs and he feels good, the mm-hmm. stage is not so long – now they've lost Sivakov, but you look at that first climb, Narvaez, Castroviejo can do that climb. Ghana can do the lower slopes here and Moscon as well yeah. because it's not so steep at the start of this climb. And with Landagon, who's maybe one of the better climbers now, I know they've lost Sivakov. He probably won't, even if he starts tomorrow, he's not going to be in great condition. I don't know. I would I would want him, in, want him to be test testing even Apollo and Almeida whenever you can because mm. they were found wanting the other day and Bernal looked really good and why not make hay while the sun is shining? That's my What do view. you think about Bora? Because Buchmann lost time yesterday, a pretty significant amount, I think, two minutes, uh, which means 45 seconds or something on the, on the better climbers yesterday. He is not looking at the level that quite a few people are expecting, but it also wasn't his ideal climb. So do you expect them to still throw everything at him or do you expect someone like Fabro or Groschartner to be in the breakaway a bit more in the coming week? No, I don't expect them to be in the break. Fabro, definitely not, I wouldn't think. They usually keep him back for pacing. So I think, uh, can they have any confidence that they're going to take it up and he's going to be able to then do anything is the problem. 
And then EF for Carthy seem to want to just wait for other teams to pay. So that's why Benji and I are leaning a bit more towards break because none of these other teams can confidently say or need to at this point. We're so early in the first week to, okay, best case, what are you going to do? Pace and then attack and then how much time you're going to gain on a climb like this with a stage that hasn't been that hard. So people aren't really in that much of a glycogen deficit it's just not that much of an incentive so yeah i'd say break 65 35 gone yeah i'm actually gonna add one name to the potential pot and that's sean poussin because i just doesn't necessarily have riders here uh for gc so he's on 25 minutes right now perfect to go in the breakaway and we know that he can finish a stage like a stage like this and even if he finishes together with someone he'll beat them in the sprint so uh i I actually would dare to put him above my initial pick, who I completely forgot about, so I don't remember anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you picked Cepeda, who I like. Oh, a good okay. pick there as well. But that's our preview of the stage tomorrow. A difficult one to pick because it doesn't really look the hardest, to be honest. Uh, and when you look at the stage coming afterwards, because maybe a really hard stage afterwards, they're more likely to take it easy. It's not that difficult. So I don't know. It really depends on what Quickstep want to do. We've got a few teams licking their wounds after some crashes. Maybe Bahrain come out firing either in the break or on the final climb because of the lander crash. Who knows? But it should be hopefully a bit more interesting than the one today. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to give the video a like down below. That definitely does help a lot. And I know even though it's a podcast, it's still we do try to put a lot of effort into the YouTube video version of it. And if you're listening on podcast players, we love you too because we're at 950 ratings, or I think five, I think 955 star ratings. We're trying to get to 1,000 before the end of the Giro on podcast players. And Benji, if you're listening on YouTube players, is holding the animal thing, the green animal thing, wearing the coal kit. Uh, I'm not sure what our sponsor agreement says about that bench after talk to them. Um, but <laughs> I need I need a baby a baby kit so if they can get that <laughs> for for the animal thing. All right, that's where we'll end today. Enough shenanigans. We'll see you tomorrow. Ciao. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, thirty six percent better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.